I'm David Matson, and this is Primetime 89 Remembers, where we share stories and memories of classmates who we've lost. I speak with classmate friends and family and those who've known them best. Today, we'll be sharing stories and memories of our classmate, Peter Culley, who we lost in 2018 at the age of 47. Master Sergeant Peter Kavanana Kali was a C-17 Loadmaster Instructor with the 204th Airlift Squadron, Hawaii Air National Guard. He was born and raised in Kalaheo, Kauai, before starting at Kamehameha as a boarder in the seventh grade. With his love for traveling, a good beer, quick wit, a great sense of humor, and an adorable personality, it's easy to see why once you became friends with him, you were friends for life. He is survived by his mother, Alberta, and sister, Clarice. They and his friends come together to share their stories and memories of Peter, or PK as they called him. Again, thank you guys so much for getting together and being available for this interview to share about Peter's life. So first of all, where are you guys right now? At the Waimea Plantation Colleges on the west side of Kauai. Every year, and you guys come to the Waimea Town Celebration, this nine-day event that I put on here, right? We always stay here at the, at the cottages. We come and do a barbecue or whatever. So okay. We always invite mom. Do you guys have any recollection of the first time you met Peter? I think I was the first one to ever see him. It was in seventh grade. Uh, we checked into the dorms. Uh, I got there. I was super pumped, super excited to get to the dorms. Excited to meet my first roommate. I walk in there to the dorms. Grandma were with me. I was super excited around the corner. And who's in there? Murray. And, and Murray's panicking. Finally, I don't know where he went. I think he went shower. Murray. I think he went yes, to shower. shower <laughs> yeah. And uh, as I'm sitting there, this kid keeps walking past my room. Walks one way, walks the other way. Every time he walks by, he's looking in the room, looks at me, peeking at me, checking me out. Now I know why. <laughs> and uh, finally, he pops his head in and introduces himself. Hello, my name That's what he said. And I'm like, what did you just say? Hello, my name That's what he said. It. So he talks so fast. So. Oh. Was Peter always a fast talker or was he just nervous, you think? Both fast talker. He probably realized he had the most hair in the dorms too at seventh grade. So he was nervous. Thomas, weren't you and Peter roommates? Yeah, so Peter was my roommate at seventh grade. Uh, we were roommates for the rest of the time. So I knew Peter's dad way before I knew Peter. I cooked at my elementary school. So Creighton, how did you first meet Peter? So when I entered on the 11th grade, I didn't want to be there, actually. So my, you know, my mother made me go there. And so I was there bawling, <laughs> trying to leave, find some reason to leave. And like the description where Peter would walk back and forth, he walked past actually my room and I was with at the time. I don't know one of the dorm advisors, but they were just trying to, you know, to convey that this is a good place. You just have to give it time. And then Peter came in after that, brought his airplanes, his, <laughs> you know, die-cast airplanes, and then set up the runway of Honolulu <laughs> International Airport on, on my desk. And that was his sort of way of trying to help me. What are some of the things that are so characteristic of him? You know, things that he did or things that he said that were just so Peter. Peter, I mean, he was smart. Mm -hmm. He was uh, extraordinarily witty. So in seventh and eighth grade, when we became roommates after study hall, he's like, you gotta move your books. I'm like, why? Like, sets up again on International Airport on our desk, the whole length. He has this couple pieces of paper. He lays it on the desk and he takes up all of his airplanes from the drawer. And he's like, he goes, look, look, that is United, you know, 101. And he's like, I'm like, it's flying away. Why he gotta make it flying away? <laughs> so that was Peter's thing. He was into aviation even when he was back in Kamehameha. Yeah, absolutely. He would sit in the room and he knew every flight 
Hawaiian Airlines flight and Aloha Airlines was flying. He knew where they were going, what time they were going. He would call out the planes before they even left the uh, runway. <clears throat> For our dorm windows, you get, you know, we had perfect view. At night, he goes, oh, this is flight, this and this, and that's a Hawaiian Air. Like, we might not even be in our room. And he goes, that's a Delta plane. And I'm like, how do you know there's a, that's a Delta plane? He goes, because the blinking lights is a different sequence than the Hawaiian, than a United. You know, like the wing and the tail, he knew all of those sequences. That's crazy. So passionate that guy was about aviation. Yeah, yeah. Wow. One time he dragged Thomas and I to the airport, inside the airport in the terminal, because huh? he wanted to watch planes. Peter rented a uh, town car. Yeah, and, uh, they said, oh, let's uh, let's go for a ride. I'm like, oh, cool. So it was just the three of us. We got McDonald's. Then we went to the reef runway. But I was like, what are we doing here? Unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that was an actual thing where he would just sit at the runway and watch planes. So I got to enjoy that. That experience kind of brought me more closer to Peter. You know, we used to take uh, weekends with him and his uncle. We went to get Kenny's great lunch and went straight to the reef runway. And he wants to watch these plays and fly over. And then, you know, his career took him to being a load master in the Hawaii National Guard. So mm-hmm. it's kind of completed that cycle. The one thing that sticks out, I think, the most every time we reminisce and the story comes out, now it, behind Lunalilo, in between Kapuaiva and, and Uncle Mike's uh, house, there was a tree on the hill. And on the tree was like a rope swing. And so we would go and we would jump off the hill. You would swing around and you, you know, you jump off, like come off the other side of it. You know, <clears throat> so we're doing that. <laughs> Peter, not the most athletic, got <laughs> uh, a heavy bottom, <laughs> too much hair, and so he swung <laughs> instead of going around the tree. He went straight up. <laughs> Instead of making a parabola, right? So he, went out, he, went, he went straight out and comes straight back. <laughs> Boom! Hit his head. Hit his face. He's probably bleeding. Two of us was just bossing out of me so much because he was just running around. <laughs> oh, 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 my head. At one point, he's on the ground. Classmen, did they ever figure out that that was just a ploy to get you guys out? Or no. <laughs> part of that too is that Peter would often do that, where he would escape and go upstairs and call, but he would only call Thomas. He wouldn't call me. <laughs> okay, me and Andrew are in headlocks, looking at each other. Okay, I don't hear my name. I don't hear your name. If he calls, then you call for me. Okay. So if one of us escapes, you 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 come get me, and that never happened. It was always Thomas. Never. <laughs> so basically, Peter had his favorites. Then it sounds like. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, all of us was his favorites. I don't know if he had IBS, but Peter knew where all the restrooms were on the island, no matter where he was. <laughs> We're watching a movie at uh, the Consolidated Theaters in Waikiki, and we're on our way to Ala Moana. He knew at least four stops. Uh, he had to get off the bus to go to the bathroom. 
That's a that's a good one. Yeah, you be we would say a joke and he he look at you and like, womp, womp, womp. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, okay, that didn't go over well. Yeah, it, he was always the um the measuring point if your joke was funny. Yeah, because if you got him to laugh, then you know your joke was funny. Yeah, if he didn't laugh, you knew it. <laughs> Mario was on that end a lot. A lot. <laughs> Especially Miley. Especially. You would rag on her. <laughs> yeah, as if none of these guys ever rag on me. Never. Always so appropriate. And the brothers are four. <laughs> David, I don't know if I ever told you this story. So Peter is very liberal in his, you know, political views. And, and being a loadmaster, he would sometimes be on those big T-17s. That fly over Kaneohe. And my dad, uh, bless his heart, is a very big Fox News fan. <coughs> Peter just really, really had a, a strong level of disgust for anything Fox News. So he would purposefully say, or he would come and tell my parents, you know, when I fly over your house in Kaneohe, what is, what is that the called? The flaps. They, they, he purposely has the, the pilot drop the flaps early so it makes so much noise going over their house <laughs> <laughs> on its approach into a Marine Corps base. Yeah. <laughs> Just to drown out Fox News. So now to this day when we hear those, we think of Peter very fondly. We hear that that loud jet noise coming over Kaneohe Bay. It's, it's a sweet reminder of our decay. What's one of your favorite or best memories of Peter. Again, that's, there's a lot. And I'm, I, I say this with all sincerity. I think one of my favorite memories is we had a very long talk story sesh uh, that went well into the early morning hours. And, you know, it was precious because, not, not because he was finally acknowledging what we felt, already felt, but I think it was just one of those moments where it just helped to solidify um, that how, how important our relationships were. And it was a big weight off his shoulders. For me, that's it's one of those special moments I think, in our lives. Yeah, I mean, there was such a relief with Peter that he just became more at ease, you know, more just gung-ho about things. You could just, so we went, I think it was called Fusions. So we would frequent there with Peter. Um, you frequented, for the record, I went once. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> we went to the back club and, you know, like music's playing, we're, we're talking kind of loud and uh, out of nowhere, Peter slips his left hand into my right hand and, and clasps fingers while I was talking to Deidre and I'm looking at him and he's like looking at me going like, play cool, shut up, don't look, don't look, don't look. I'm like, okay. So I look at Deidre and then she's looking at my hand and she like splurts out laughing. He used me as bait, but I just remember like standing there frozen with my hand clasped in Peter's sweaty, hairy hands, you know, wondering what to do. You know, that's one of my favorite memories of Peter because he was just like so bold to do that. I, I came away just bewildered, you know, about that whole thing, but I can laugh about it now. But oh, uh, for the record, uh, Niza was DJing. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> leather get up <laughs> we had the whole cow <laughs> that's another peterism actually that he didn't pay for nothing but so tight and so cheap he didn't offer nothing and when he would show up to my house when we had get togethers he, he would bring either a bag of chips or one time he brought on six piece chicken nuggets but only had five chicken nuggets inside <laughs> he ate one before he came <laughs> Or one time he brought baking chocolate. White, white baking chocolate, one bar. So how has Peter made a difference in your lives? And for me, it, it, he really did teach me how to love unconditionally. Uh, Peter really didn't judge. And um, to love unconditionally, I mean, he loved my boys as if they were his own. And um, I think he just taught me how to be more accepting of others. Uh, you know, when he came out, it helped me to realize that 
people walk in different shoes and it's important for me to remember to appreciate people for yeah for me he he was a person that never judged despite you know you might want to do this or you might want to do that yeah just maybe this is the way you should be doing that you know mm-hmm. yeah peter is like extremely loyal like you can just see it and hear it in the you know in the words of his brothers and sister here how loyal and dedicated he was not only to his career or to his partner but also to just his his family he had a very very deep love for his tutu but it's just that sort of tenderness that you kind of don't expect from somebody who has a military career or who can be a little bit like you said sharp-witted and <clears throat> and stuff um Peter has a very very soft heart a loving heart. Yeah. We're so blessed to just have them in our lives. Uh, adding to that, I would say that we all gel together based on our sense of humor. And I think that's what bound us together. When he actually got sick, right? And he uh, was on deployment. He called me. He's like, I'm going to die. And they matter back him back to Tripler. And I actually left my event just to spend that time with him, that whole time was precious. While Peter was on the decline, that stood out to me where he was on his way back from DC and he did a stopover in Travis Air Force Base in Fairfield. And he said, I'm only gonna be here for a little while because I'm gonna be flying out. And I said, I don't care, I'm gonna be there. So going there, um, you know, just going through the system, I finally got to the hospital to where he was. Uh, he asked to, you know, go outside. Just wanted to experience the sunshine. So took him out and, <clears throat> sorry. He told me in, in a moment that <clears throat> with his eyes closed, he lifted his head to the sun He lifted his head to the sun, allowed the sunshine to hit him, and said, this is the last time I'm going to feel the California sun on my face. Meanwhile, I'm losing in the back. I didn't want him to see me crying. But it was just such a profound moment. You know, he... He knew what to expect, he knew what was going to happen, yet it was in that small moment where he was just taking in the sunshine and enjoying it. That's how strong he was, you know, he was a dagger to my heart, like, and I'm a blubbering mess and he's sitting there just enjoying the moment. And I can only wish to be that strong. And the, uh, the last time I saw him, Song contest was on and he was in bed. Uh, we propped him up and I was sitting there next to him watching. They got to the part where they were singing Sons of Hawaii and Peter threw all his, the wires connected to him and everything. I was just sitting there next to him in bed and he just reached for my hand, which came as a surprise and he lifted it up. Hi. And kept it up through the course of the song. It was such, such a moment that he didn't want to bring it down. And I was trying to bring it down for him. And slowly he did. And he he gave me a look. And there's tears coming down. And that was the moment where I was looking at him, trying not to cry. And I was being strong for him. But it's that strength that resilience, everything we're talking about with Peter, that remains. And I hope in my time, I can be the same as Peter was. Thanks for sharing that, Chris. I think that it really kind of speaks to 
his resilience. And I think that's what was the bigger part of him. The, when Thomas is talking about when they were up in DC, when he was going for treatment at Walter Reed, um, he, he was, he just stayed so strong and, you know, and everybody else is, everybody else is crumbling around him. He stayed strong. So that I think is what defines Peter. I think that's the bigger moment of him. Like, you know, there's not just one capstone, I think, in his life. I mean, he, he was super proud when his sister gave birth to Kaylin. He was always super proud to celebrate the milestones of my boys, Thomas's son. Those were all big moments for him because we're his family. And so I think that was what was important to him was just to be around and surrounded by family. And not just us, but his, his National Guard family was very important to him too. And, and super, super special to him too. Um, his ability to just love on people even now as i go through you know the days and stuff like that in my head i don't think he's gone i just think in my mind it's almost like he's just on a mission yeah i'm in the same boat mm -hmm. waiting for him to come back from his mission yep i don't think there's ever a moment where one of us ever thought that we'd be here, mm -hmm. especially even just now at 50. Yeah. We're minus one. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it sucks and it's heavy. It's life, I get it, but in the same token, that doesn't make it any easier. And to see someone like Peter, who was one of the good ones get taken from us. We spent a lot of time sitting there asking, you know, why? Why did why did this have to happen? And it was hard. God bless Thomas and Mary. They, they went to the hospital often. I, I just could not, I couldn't go. I just couldn't bring myself to see him like that. And maybe it's a poor excuse, but I just couldn't. I I, I don't have that kind of constitution to see them suffering, to see them in pain. And so selfishly, I stay away. I, I regret that deeply, but why did this have to happen to him? I'm sure that Peter, you know, knew that too, whether you were there or whether you weren't all the time. If I could send a message, I think it would be, uh, first and foremost, thank you. Thank you for walking past my room multiple times in seventh grade because God put him there for a reason, and I got to meet a pretty fantastic human being who became my brother. Come back and visit sometimes. That's what I think I would tell him. Mm -hmm. You know, he's there. Except when I'm in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Not then. Don't, don't come in there. Not then. <laughs> uh, for, for me, it would just be, be you. You know? Just be you. I love you for who you are. He has appeared in a dream or two of mine, but not with words. So I, it's just, I, I see him, but we feel him. We feel him really strongly here on this island. And when we're with his mom. So we know you're there, King. I guess it's like aloha ahoyho, right? We are going to meet again. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe he's in you know, a beautiful place. We're sad for it because we'd love to have you with us, BK, still amongst us. So again, come in our dreams. If I had a message to send to Peter, it would just be a song. It's that Golden Girl song, Thank You for Being a Friend. And again, we all enjoy Golden Girls together. So that's just a, another facet. Uh, and I, I think that song would bring him peace, yeah. knowing that we're okay and we're always thinking about him. I met up with two of Peter's colleagues from the 154th Wing, Hawaii Air National Guard, who were a big part of his life professionally and personally. Allison Bruce Maldonado and Mark Crabb share memories of their fellow airmen and friend. As far as the first time I met Peter. Yeah, tell me about that. Oh my gosh. I worked with them for 17 years as a tool fourth. 
funeral was just so funny because you know you all call me sister hey he's like hey you look familiar um and I go yeah <laughs> he goes you see karaoke and I was like yeah I do and he's like oh yeah that's where I know you from but we actually realized that there was a place down in Waikiki it might have been the old Don Hope and I think he had been down there that day with some friends we just became like instant friends and yeah he was just so sweet <laughs> A Hawaiian lady wanted me to do Hawaii Pono'i. I asked Peter, I was like, who's like the best person for me to listen to? And he goes, oh, just go listen to some YouTubes at Kamehameha Schools. In the unit, he was probably one of the first people that actually walked up to me and wanted to get to know me. Whenever he was around, we always had a chance to like talk. What was... Peter's role as you recognized it in the Toji <laughs> I was gonna say troublemaker, you know, because I think he was one of the youngest ones in the unit for a long time in the social situation. You know, me and him would be the ones we're like, hey, change the music. There's something we can dance to. And and you know, he'd be making sure everybody's cups are full and just things like that. Just being a nice, happy presence in the room. And yeah, he was like the the hype man. <laughs> Sounds like he brought a lot of levity to the group and made sure that everyone was comfortable and welcomed and which made him a joy to be around. You know, I just felt like, oh, Peter's here, gonna be some good laughs. Because <laughs> <laughs> we used to always joke with each other that, you know, we might have been brother and sister in another life, because that's how close we were at the unit. Yeah, yeah, he made me feel like a special friend. He was really sweet because Peter and I, we would always try to sit near each other in unit meetings. So we'd be talking to each other like this, cracking jokes. So yeah, just him always trying to make people laugh. Oh, and there is something that Peter loved to do. So mm -hmm. if you would come on the flight, because he was a load master, right? And you know, he's giving all the instructions, strap in and everything. Then I remember we had taken off. And then when it was safe to get up, I look over, eyes as big as sauce, and he's like grabbing stuff. And I'm looking, I'm like, what's happening? What's going on? And then he's like making signs and stuff. And I'm like, what should I do? What should I do? And then he just bursts out laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, what is happening right now? So he's playing a joke because we were flying to Hilo that day. So when we got there, we touched down. And I think that day they let Peter pick where we wanted to eat because he was just mm -hmm. like, can I pick? Because I already know where I want to eat, <laughs> right? <laughs> Our inside joke was like, oh, how do you confuse a pilot? Oh, ask them where they want to eat lunch. Because <laughs> we would all like, oh, we're going to go all eat lunch together. Because I would hang out with the air crew sometimes. Uh -huh. And then it'd be like, okay, where are we going to go? And then me and Peter, we'd be over in the corner like, oh, my God, these guys can't make up their mind where they want to eat. <laughs> They'd spend 20 minutes. <laughs> but he loved talking about money. I don't know if anybody brought that up to you, but he would take his trips to the stock market every year and I remember we'd sit down and have lunch together and he'd tell me about his trip to the stock market and you know just how excited he was you know and I'm like so what do you do on these things are you he's like no you're just standing there you're watching them to the stock and I'm like and that's your vacation and he was like yeah so in 2017 of October, I actually got my date to go to school. You know, Peter had already found out that he was sick. So I went to see him in his apartment to say bye because my trip was six months. When I went to the apartment, I just said, well, I don't want to leave, but I got to go. You know, I said, I don't want this to be goodbye. But, you know, we were being honest that we weren't sure. I was scheduled to fly out October 14th. Mm -hmm. and I flew out and literally October 15th the next day I get a text from Peter saying guess what and of course I'm like what what's going on he's like they're sending me to Walter Reed I couldn't believe it so here I am thinking I'm not going to see him and he's literally flown in 30 minutes from where I'm stationed at and he was there up until maybe the last two weeks of my school so that was almost a perfect overlap. Yeah, I mean, I could not believe it. So I got to spend a lot of time with them. 
And then I was going up to see Peter. I went like almost every weekend. So what did you guys end up doing together on those weekends? For the most part, I would go like do some quick shopping and I bring snacks and and then we just, you know, watch TV and things. I remember once we went to the mall just to go get something to eat, but he hadn't seen pandas before. So we took a trip to the zoo. And so I got a lot of photos of him looking at pandas. He's like, I want to see pandas. Yeah, that was a fun day. But you know, it's so funny because the whole time that um, I was going to see him, God put me down in Maryland to be there. So when Peter got there, he would have a friend, right? The day of his funeral, we were at Kauai and we were sitting there during the service and I was listening to everybody talk about Peter and everything. And I swear to God, it hit me. And I go, oh, my God. That whole time, I kept thinking that I was there to help Peter. But I realized that he was there to help me. Because it allowed me to focus on something else besides myself. And maybe both of you were there for each other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We spent New Year's Eve together. And he said, hey, I know this is going to be my last new year's and you know he was just grateful he definitely said he knew that he was loved just being around him in those last few months I never expected that to happen and I was really grateful for it because I had been on different deployments and things Mm -hmm. definitely showing me you know how important it is to just and man, just to take advantage and enjoy those, I guess you can say the last times together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was like watching life through his eyes and, you know, just seeing how much your friends and your family matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was there anything Peter taught you? Oh, yeah. It just started making me think of one of the things, which is how we met, which was him coming up to this total stranger who didn't look like anyone else in the unit and him just embracing me. So it made me aware how important that is, is when you're in situations where somebody new is coming or anything, it's important for just anybody to reach out and and make that person feel like they belong. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what Peter always did. He always made me feel like I belonged. I valued his friendship that much because he really was a good person. And just going through that experience with him of being by his side as he was transitioning and just having him accept it, but how he accepted it with so much bravery, because he he did say, if this is how I'm going to go, I want to go with dignity. I want to be back home. I remember telling him because he left two weeks before my school ended. I don't want you to suffer. If you can, can you wait for me? Because I want to see you one more time. I I told him that, you know, and he was just like, I don't know, sister, I'll see. (laughs) You know, so yeah, as soon as I got back that first day, I went to go see him at his apartment. They told me, they said, well, he's in a coma. We know he can hear. But we're not sure, like, how responsive he can be. We were told he could go at any minute. They weren't really sure. So I stayed at the apartment talking to him, but he wasn't responding. And then I was just like, okay, I got to get going. And I remember going over to his bed and stood over him. And I go, Peter, you know, I love you. Um, We don't want you to suffer anymore. So whenever you're ready, just, you know, Go as peaceful and, you know, as you want. Mm-hmm. And I remember I stood up and he, swear to God, I wish I had a video. And he goes. <laughs> and I, I kid you not. He, he gave like, you a thumbs up. He gave me a thumbs up. You went from comatose up. to giving you a thumbs up in response to what you just said. I could not believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I got a call, you know, hey, you got to get here. Okay. And I remember I was on my way to his apartment and I was like on fumes and I stopped in Pearl City to get gas. And I looked over because you could see his condo from way off. 
and I look over and I saw a rainbow over the condo and I was like, he's gone. And I took a picture of the rainbow. Yeah, he was surrounded by, you know, people who loved him. So. Hey, Mark, can you tell me about what you remember about when you first met Peter? When I got in the Air National Guard, something happened with our unit. So I had to find a new home. So I landed up in May 2006 in the airlift squadron. And the first thing that I do is find out who the Kamehameha people are. <laughs> yeah. Peter, he was a technical sergeant at the time. He came into my office. So he goes, I'm Peter Kali. And then he said, oh, I heard you're the new administrator for our, our squadron. And you're the Kamehameha. I go, yes, I did. You know, he goes, what year did you graduate? I said, Casa Vedi. He goes, oh, I'm Casa Vedi 9. So that was our first um, chance meeting Saturday morning, uh, May 2006. So PK, he had his ducks in line. He mm -hmm. was very articulate, very regimented, and very disciplined. Because he was always excited to go on a flying mission. He was always excited. He, oh, he was an educator. He was so smart. P PK put it in a, in a kiss, keep it simple system. This is the checklist. This is what it is. Study it. But he always tells his uh, trainees, always refer to your checklist. You won't go wrong. He didn't really say much as an operator, a pilot, and or um, load master. You have to be a personality because you need to get the no BS straight answer from whoever it is that you're asking the question. PIP, they call it process improvement plan. That's what Peter was all about, making things better. You sure? You know, than what it is, you know, if, if you can make it more efficient. Yes. He, he was all for that. If I were to, to describe him, Two words. First word would be his integrity. And second word is, is his character. PK, he, he always came through. No if, ands, or buts. Do you remember any really funny or joyful moments that you experienced with Peter? So when he first came into the office, he wanted the window. Because I had another person there. And my subordinate looked at me. Sergeant Kali said he wants my desk in the window. I go, uh, okay, let me go ask him what's, what's, the, what's the deal here. He goes, I need a window. I need to see the airplanes coming in from the west, flying into uh, the, the runway uh, Honolulu. He wanted it. He knew every airplane, every commercial aircraft, every military aircraft. He described the airplane, what kind of engine it had, da 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 da. -da. I'm like, Man, this guy needs to get a life. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not only those airplanes. Very well-rounded. That's what made him an asset. Not only to himself, but to mm -hmm. others. And especially pilots. And word got around with the flying community, aircrew community, that hey, you want to know about aircraft, you either can look it up on Google or go to a fourth airless squadron and contact Master and Peter Cully. But he was very personable. And he'd pop into our office. Uh, you know, we talk about obviously Kamehameha stuff, but that was our, our connection. And he would just be in tune with the Kamehameha sports athletics. I remember uh, one year Kamehameha took the state championship. We beat mm -hmm. Kahuku. Our commander was the Kahuku graduate. <laughs> Friday night was the game. Peter instigated it. He goes, oh, this is what we should do. I'm like, Oh man, that's not a good idea. You know, I work for the commander. <laughs> Saturday night drill weekend, we went in and we just ragged the commander. We sang our alumni, yeah. Kamehameha. And then we sang our alma mater and mm -hmm. he took it well. 2017, we got a call, old dark 30 here in Hawaii saying that, you know, one of your air crew members is not well. Someone got word, obviously, to our commander and, and uh, the general. Thing happened while he was downrange in Japan. I think it was like 3 o'clock in the morning here in Hawaii. They said, oh, PK is being transported back to Hawaii. This is what we need to get done. Uh, he was, man, I just, how do you describe it? He was, the, the PK, he was trying to be strong, I would say, you know, mentally, you know, to put a, put a face for all of us, but he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't fool anybody. You know what I mean? 
we saw the plane come in and being taxied in. We're all in uniform. And the, the general, Greg Woodrow, his call sign was called Woody. He, he was also a C-17 pilot also in our unit. I'd met him at the, the ramp. The general came out in shorts, t-shirt, slippers. <laughs> he didn't come in uniform because he was going to the beach that day. PK mission with the general, you know, and so the general had that special kind of connection and that bond with Peter having oh, flown with him on. Yeah. And the two-star general, a diamond head, but he said, you know, you know, Woody, that's your troop, take care of him. He was there for PK. Um, when I actually when we went to meet him, um, the generals went first, the colonels and all, all the high-ranking people they went to go see him. He was laid out in, in the uh, a stretcher and um, somebody goes, oh, Mark, PK wants to see you. So, okay, all right. So I was trying to be strong for him. And um, I did, I think I did. But he, all he said was, Mark, uh, pray for me. I said, I will, I will. Yes. Keep me in your thoughts. Keep me in prayers. Like, oh, how you do? How you do? So from that moment on, our lives were not the same. I was used to having PK there every morning. Mm -hmm. He was right next to my desk. I could uh, arm's length, you know what I mean? And now he, it was just an empty seat. Mm. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough. And um, uh, we got we got through it. And then um, when he passed, and I was running on the beach in the sand, and it, it, something just kind of like like a like a like a mist came through, like a, a breeze. Yeah. And I just stopped. I like, and it was in the afternoon, and and that's when I knew Peter passed. That's when, that's when I knew. And then um, the calls start coming in, Texas and everything. And I was in the honor guard. And while he was uh, still here at treatment at the tripler, and uh, he goes, when I, when I die, I want you to be at my funeral in an honor guard capacity. I said, I will. That I will. You promise me I go. I got your back, PK. Don't worry. I got your back. So I was the only one from the Hawaii Air National Guard that got to do his funeral on Kauai um, with the active duty uh, honor guard personnel. So I, I was at peace with it. After his passing, I decided in 2019, I'm going to retire. Because he was in my office. He goes, you're not retiring until I retire. We just didn't want to leave each other. That was our bonding. That was our bonding. If you could send a message to Peter today, mm. what would you tell him? I would tell him what we always told each other when we always were wrong with each other. As, as Kamehameha alumni, either in the unit or outside the unit, we would just say, love you. I love you. I also had a chance to speak with Alberta Cully Peter's mother. She shares familiar stories of Peter with a painting of the Kilauea Lighthouse hanging on the wall behind her. Hey! Hi, Auntie Alberta. Hi. Hey, Thomas. Roger, we here. I love the lighthouse painting behind you. That came from Peter's condo. I had several paintings. Yeah. He left back. He had some pictures that... Um, I don't understand what was that for, but um, yeah. Yeah. but this is this is the one that I like the best. Yeah, kind of shows that his heart was definitely in Kauai. Oh yeah, yeah. So, Antiabro, what was Peter like growing up? He was a very good boy, not getting into trouble. <laughs> Um, he was kind of more homebodied. Okay. He was so close to my mom. 
he would hang out with his cousins down on the west side, mm-hmm. Hawaiian homes. Yeah. He was a, a funny guy. I mean, he always would make his cousins laugh and they always wanted to hang around with him because he would always crack jokes and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear. He was, he had a great sense of humor. Yes. <laughs> but other than that, like I said, he was such a mellow boy. He was loved by a lot of people. Peter went to Holy Cross school from kindergarten to sixth grade, mm-hmm. a Catholic yeah. school in my town. Before then, summer times, uh, friend of my husband's that used to golf all the time she asked him pk would you want to learn how to golf and he says yeah sure why not it's just i'm just staying home so that was it every day she would pick him up from home take him to the golf course train him how to play golf and that was it well he wanted to get his dad into the sport and Mm -hmm. the dad told him you think i'm gonna chase a small white ball around (laughs) but you know what he did (laughs) and then he became an avid golfer so i blame pk for that getting his father involved in that sport growing up what were some of peter's favorite things like did he just planes he loves planes since when how old was he when he first got into that maybe about fifth grade i think or before he went to kamehameha school yeah yeah Yeah. so we thought my husband and i thought the interest that he had in planes we thought he was going to become a pilot Mm -hmm. we really thought he was going to become a pilot but no yeah but you know when we go to the airport Uh uh-huh when we go to lihui we had to go down to okini and watch whatever planes would take off and he would know everyone that goes. So everybody used to usually go two hours early for yes. you know, pram, sit down, relax. No, you go two hours early for watch the plane mm-hmm. and then rush to the gate. Yeah. <laughs> Get these things for planes, always. Yeah. My mom's in the car, Pique, let's go. Yeah. Wait, another one is, is taxiing down and gotta wait. <laughs> I say that he takes after the mother, me, not like his dad. (laughs) Definitely not the dad. And then he entered Kamehameha at the seventh grade level with Thomas folks. Because he left at 13, like they all did, they kind of grew up with him more, Mm -hmm. you know, the bond that they had up in school and stuff. And we would send him home a lot when he was in school. Like I told him, brother, we're going to be owning shares in Hawaiian Air. You know, <laughs> always sending him home. And when he entered Kamehameha School, my husband said, if when we leave and that boy is going to cry, he's coming home back to Kauai with us. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, as we were all close. Sure. And we felt that. You know, everybody goes to that, miss home. Like yeah. like I said, PK was homebodied. But then because he was with his friends and stuff, you guys helped out each other, yeah? You we're, know? All, we're all cuddled and cried together. See? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? The worst. really? Oh. <laughs> then again, as he got older, he hardly would come home. Mm-hmm. So he would just stay with his friends up there when Thomas goes up with them and just so they know PK a lot mm-hmm. like going out and going traveling and stuff you know we didn't do much traveling when he came here it was like when had activities and stuff we had to when we went up to Honolulu mm-hmm. he always would say make sure you rent a Lincoln Town car before you come up to the campus <laughs> We always had to rent a Lincoln town car for him. How come? I don't know. He just... For some reason, that was He his, loved that car. The car was like yeah. an addiction for him. So all of our proms, yeah. all of our sophomore banquet, Peter yeah. we all rented Lincoln yeah. town cars yeah. for every one of those things. 
we're like parading around all of us like read our own linkage and we're like pulling into traffic like letting backing off the traffic and letting everybody go and then the last guy the first guy got to pull traffic back and let everybody go <laughs> okay my uh, husband had to, had to go up one time from Kauai just to rent him a car <laughs> he had to fly up there because he wanted his Lincoln Town cars. <laughs> okay, so did Peter purchase a Lincoln Town car? An Audi. An Audi. He got um, <laughs> PK got a Lincoln Navigator. Ooh, he did. He did. He did. A Navigator <laughs> had to be Lincoln's, and he got a Volkswagen Passat, the white one, and then he ended up, which I have. He gave me his Audi. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he's got expensive tastes. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Back in the year 2000, when he was going to UH for his master's, okay. he went to summer school and he told my mom, after my summer school is over, I'm going to take the whole family to Vegas. Mind you, my mother and I never went to Vegas. This was back in 2000. Never went to mom. I never went to Maui, but I went to the East Coast with Thomas. How you like that? Okay. So we went to Vegas, and then my mom was in her late 80s at the time, really homebody. She never cared to travel, and um, PK kind of pushed her. So we all went, and, you know, she really enjoyed it. So she was hoping to go back again. Mm-hmm. So we went back in 2002. And that was the last time that we went back. And then, you know, she, she took ill mm-hmm. years after that. And um, that's when PK would come home more often to be with her. Sure. Yeah, but as a whole, towards the end, I mean, when, you know, after he had his, he got his condo in Honolulu, mm-hmm. he hardly came home. He hardly, I had to say, um, what's up this weekend? He says, oh, I got plans. Somebody from other island coming. So he hardly came home. Mm-hmm. But he would hang out a lot at Andrew's place because Andrew would cook all these meals. And, and Piquet enjoyed his meals. Yeah. He enjoyed all Andrew's meals. And of course, the beverages, you know. <laughs> so what did Peter like to drink with Miley, they go on these wine. annual Napa trips, mm. yeah, and they're yeah. all connoisseurs of wine. Yeah. Like one time I came to this house, they're all over here, mm-hmm. and they're all like, "Oh, look at the legs on this on this wine, and what's the aroma? <laughs> this and this." And I just grabbed a bottle and I just drank the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he he liked to travel with with. Um, his classmates and stuff and uh-huh. like Tommy said he never did go on a I didn't go on a cruise with them on a cruise. I didn't go to the, because this, this wasn't my thing when he would come home that would be our time right because it's only him and I because yes. nobody else lives here it's just yes. me and him yeah. so when he home visit you know visit his Ohana and speak that and I'm like hey what you doing he's like oh come pick me up or I'll meet you over here Sister Nays. so that was our bonding time or catch up time with with Peter when he came home. So true, because he would come home, the little time he would come home, and then the phone rings. I said, where are you going? I'm going to see Thomas. I said, you're going to see Thomas? He just got home. I'm going to have lunch with Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) But every time he would come, it's always like, I'm going to see what Thomas is doing. Yeah. He had that really good bond too. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, you must have been told how tight my son is. Yeah, Um, I think that came up in conversation. Well, I can tell you something about that. We went up to Honolulu one time. We met him because he was coming from Japan. So he tells me, Mom, I got this good mochi for you, you know, flat box, really soft. He said, you're going to love this strawberry and matcha and stuff. So we took him out to a restaurant. He says, oh, try this. You know, there was about five or six that was eating from that box. (laughs) He said he was hungry on the plane. But that's just typical of him. That's just how he is. Then if you ask him, oh, um, what what do you want to eat in this? No, I'm fine. I, I don't want anything. I'm going out. And then when you make it and when it's on your plate, he starts kind of chomping in, like eating, you know, 
always like that, always. And then he would joke around with us when we go up to his condo, you know how that place was. And he has an air condition, but he doesn't use it. So I said, oh, BK, man, this place is so hot. He said, okay, I'll treat you to 45 minutes. That's, that's all. Just 45 minutes. Stay in here. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's being kind to them. Like yeah. when, when I went this one time, it was freaking hot. I go, bro. I turn on the stuff. He goes, please, oh, you can't have it. I go, bro. Shut up. Don't go near that thing. I'm gonna blast you. Like leave the thing on. He's like, but oh, funny, my God. you know, he doesn't actually mean it. He housed my outer island in-laws in his place. Yeah. And he made this sleeping arrangement, like because his dad smoked. Mm-hmm. The dad, the upper part of his body could stay in the living room. The bottom <laughs> half is on the porch. And all these things like uh, there is Lysol spray on the toilet. Make sure you use it. You know, <laughs> his other uncle is going to sleep under the kitchen table. And he wrote all this up, you know. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Such a funny boy. Yeah. When we used to go to a restaurant, barbecue mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. remember we used to go to the restaurant and i'm like we paid the tab and stuff you know walking mm-hmm. out okay let's go he's going back there to take the tip because he always said not it's too much tip <laughs> so he would be the last and he would take the tip from the table <laughs> <laughs> my mother gave him the name pk because he's junior for her not to get confused with peter peter she said, we call him PK. So that's how he got the name PK. Okay. You know, PK sounds a lot like Pake. Well, at the church, okay. when okay. Andrew and Chris was doing the eulogy, yeah. he mentioned that because I told Andrew, I said, yeah, he should have been called Pake, not PK. <laughs> I don't know where he got that from. Not from me and not from the father. I don't know. Hmm. Tight. aside from how frugal are there other characteristics of peter that you know you would say oh that's so peter well you know this boy from way back when he corrects me a lot when i speak like if i'm talking to thomas and i say something like ma you shouldn't have said that or why did you say that that's not the word to use always been like that with me Always, yeah. <laughs> Where it got funny. I would laugh at him at the end, like, okay, that's that's my boy. Is there something that you're most proud of him? I'm proud, like, he, you know, furthered his education and not just concentrating on just work, yeah. Finishing school, mm-hmm. going to HPU, for his bachelor's, then getting his master's at UH in financing. Mm-hmm. People would come to him and always ask him questions about stocks. But he was well loved by everybody, you know? Yeah. It sounds like he had that kind of uh, mischievous, humorous streak, yeah, that perfect yeah. balance of, of doing all of that. He always had the comeback, you know? If you say something, he wouldn't let it go. He would come back with something else. <laughs> yeah. You know, as a parent, we all do everything we can to you know, make a difference in our, our children's lives, our kids' lives. Was there anything that he may have taught you through what he might have said or done? My son, I could talk to him when I had problems or I felt down. I could pick up the phone and talk to him. Mm-hmm. So he helped me out a lot to where I could voice anything to him. Vice versa is like, if he had issues, yeah. he knew he could come to me and tell me. So I miss that because um, him and I were close also, you know? Just recently, I just turned 50. So I had a pretty huge celebration. You know, we was putting the list together. And I told my girlfriend, I said, hey, you gotta bring Auntie guys because they're stepping in for Peter's 
Yeah, that's right. Definitely had these guys come. I would on take him off my list if he didn't invite me. <laughs> Let me tell you real fast. No more spamming gravy for Thomas. <laughs> no more spamming gravy. Uh uh, done deal. Thomas, Thomas, who? <laughs> Celebrating without him and it's just kind of different. Different, yeah. 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 I held back a lot, but you know, having so much fun at his place and was his day. Yeah. It, it really helped a lot, you know, seeing Miley folks and, you know, all them together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Andrew, Andrew, he's crazy. So, you know. What do you think Peter was most proud of in his life? Aside from our relationships, Kamehameha and our close-knit group, mm -hmm. I would say he was really proud of the job he did with the Hawaii Air National Guard and that ohana that he had over there when he actually got sick those guys came out of the woodworks for that for that kid and, you know exactly. so they had and the crazy thing is is we never really knew about those guys the military was unbelievable then when he came home my daughter and i went to tripler it was like a lay around his room with his all his friends everybody was there and we were the last to um, see him to to enter that and from then on it was like my gosh they all reached out military I met pilots I met loadmasters uh, generals all in tripler Piquet made fun of me because when they would come in the room I said are you a loadmaster so Piquet would say my mom thinks everybody walking through this room is a loadmaster you know like him but <laughs> it was unbelievable like with Thomas folks, the bonding he had with the military and how much people came to see him. It was unreal. And the military helped us out tremendously. Staying at the housing there, he had his first surgery there. And then, you know, they said he, they couldn't do a second surgery. That's when he went to Walter Reed. And he tells me, mom, you got to come up here. And I'm like, Oh, I never went to Maui. Now I'm going to DC. I don't travel. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh my gosh, I can't go by myself. So that's how my boy, yeah, <laughs> he helped me out tremendously. Yeah. And I will be forever grateful for that because I could not have made it without Thomas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I get all my Hanai boys here. So Peter, I mean, he's done a lot of incredible things he's accomplished a lot throughout right. his life and i don't know if thomas told you but when he was in um walter reed next door to him was senator mccain oh really with the same thing the same glioplastoma yeah yeah so i wanted to go in and introduce myself and and <laughs> My kids was like, don't you dare. He doesn't want to be bothered. <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to throw this in. So when we went to D.C., this thing that really got to me and touched my heart was that, well, before he went, he says that the doctors wanted him to know if he was interested in doing a clinical trial mm -hmm. for his aggressive form of cancer glioplastoma mm -hmm. so as a mother hearing that i mean i didn't know how to answer you know mm -hmm. so i told him well you know pk i cannot really answer for you but it's whatever you decide i support your decision you know and he says well i think i'm going for it he said, the reason why I'm doing this, he said, because I know I'm not going to make it. I, I know I'm not going to have much time. But if it cannot help me, it could help somebody else through the testing. Mm -hmm. So he was that kind of kid that, you know, he was always out for other people to, you know. But... Um, it really got to me there too when um, he cried and he told me, I'm so sorry, Ma, I got to do this to you because I lost my husband. Mm 
lost his dad mm -hmm. uh, three years prior. Yeah, I'm sorry. And you know that he had to, I had to, you know, bury my son. So he apologized for that, you know. And, you know, I tell anybody, and I'm not the only one, but losing a child is a parent's worst nightmare. A child is really hard. Yeah. And I, I miss him so much every day. Yeah. As much as he was the way he was, say, with money as a cute example, yes. he still seemed like he had unlimited consideration and generosity for others in yes. ways like giving of himself through the clinical trial and yes. you know, his concern for you more so than him, his thoughts and, and his concerns were with you. Thank you so much for sharing all those you know, wonderful memories of Peter and all those great stories about what he was and what a wonderful guy. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for doing this for PK. Oh, Thank you. you're so welcome. My pleasure. Empty. See you. Okay. Thanks, Thomas. Yeah. All right. Take yeah, care. God bless. Thank you for listening in as we shared stories and special memories of Peter Cully through his friends and family on this episode of Primetime 89 Remembers. I'd like to thank our guests, Auntie Alberta Cully as well as Peter's high school friends, Thomas Nizo, Creighton Tuzon, Andrew Lai, Miley Munden, and Christopher Murray, as well as his friends from the Hawaii Air National Guard, retired Tech Sergeant Allison Bruce Maldonado, and retired Tech Sergeant Mark Crabb for taking the time to share their stories of Peter with us. And I need to also mahalo retired Major Jeffrey Hickman and Staff Sergeant John Linsmeyer of the Hawaii Air National Guard for helping me make those connections. I'd also like to thank everyone who helped put this together. Jamie Barboza and Nicole Yoshimitsu, Wendy Brown, and Kaylee Aquaro. And a special thank you to Drez, Dwayne Andres for the music, and Elizabeth Matson with production and editing. I'm your host, David Matson. Be sure to like us and follow us at Primetime 89 Hawaii, where you can see photos of our guests and their stories. And subscribe to get the latest updates and news of upcoming episodes. And join us again with another classmate on Primetime 89.